0: Welcome to the Boundless Gamers Podcast. This is episode 12, and I am Jacques, and with me is Mike. And um, we are doing something a little bit different. We are, as you noticed, I'm doing the intro at the beginning instead of, I don't know, 20 minutes into the episode and making it sound like an ad break. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to try this going forward, and uh, if you guys like it, um, comment. If you don't, just, I don't know, send me telepathic thoughts.
1: It's just good to get this shit out of the way immediately. Yeah, I mean, we want to get the show going. We want to keep it flowing. We want to keep things, you know, popping.
0: Yeah, and if uh, you want to visit us on social media, you can visit us at Boundless Gamers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also subscribe. And if you listen on a platform where you can rate us, also do that because that would be much appreciated. Because apparently, that really helps out podcasts with uh, visibility and things like that. So, uh, now that that is out of the way.
1: Thank God. Get that bullshit out of here. Let's go. Let's get the show started. It's self promoting. It's just annoying. <laughs>
0: God. But yeah, I am back from vacation. And uh, you know, yeah, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. The mega powers are reunited. Finally. Uh, So yeah, Mike, today I want to talk about the Dead Space remake, because they announced that officially, and oh my god, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) So I got a little bit of information here, and uh, let me bring this up. So I'm on an article from EA Motive, it's actually on their website, and there's another article too from IGN, so I'm just gonna read a little bit from both of these and Okay. Everything they're saying sounds great to me. On EA's website they interview three guys working on this. Uh one is the creative director, Philip Oh boy. Nope, that's not Philip muson <laughs> oh Is it, it Philip Muson? I mean, you know, he's he does he's good at copying things, so he's good
1: at... <laughs> He copied GameSpot's article. That's a
0: so, no, uh, yeah, no, the senior producer is Philippe Ducharme. I should know this because it sounds like a French name, Philippe Ducharme. And the creative director is Roman Campos-Oriella, and the art director is Mikey Yazgian. I have no idea how to say that name. So the the art director actually has, he worked on Dead Space 2.
1: Oh, Okay.
0: Let's see. In here, I'm just going to scroll through this article briefly, just hitting a few things. Okay, so it's being fully rebuilt in Frostbite, which is EA's proprietary engine. I mean, it looks great. We'll see how it, it should be fine for survival horror. Um, I think the only thing that it has problems with is RPGs, which Bioware has found out.
1: I hated that they forced so many developers, oh, you got to use Frostbite, but we want to use Unreal. No, Frostbite. Make it work. I'm glad um, Respawn, they just put their foot down and they said, no, we're using Unreal for Fallen Order. That's it.
0: I mean, it is Respawn, though. They they kind of have that pull. They can do that. Um, Let's see. So here's from uh, F- F- Philippe, the senior producer. He says, we're, we're playing with volumetric effects. So instead of having sprites, you're really able to feel the depth of a room, the thickness of the air. We're playing with shadows, with dynamic lighting, so not only does it create the mood and the atmosphere, but it also has an effect on gameplay. Audio also plays an important role in reinforcing that sense of immersion. This is one area of the original game that still resonates with players. We are working on enhancing the experience and providing believable audio that focuses on objects, positioning, and 3D sounds propagation. 3D audio with Dead Space is going to be fucking amazing.
1: <laughs> now, that's something they definitely have to get right, is the sounds of the Ishimura and all the weird things you hear. I don't know what sound effects they were using for the Ishimura, but it sounded fantastic. And I hope they can uh, replicate that again with this new one.
0: Yeah, it's, I totally agree. Um, that that was one of the best parts about Dead Space is the sound. And just think, like, back then, that was before they had this type of audio. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I just can't even imagine how scared shitless we're going to be with, like, just all those necromorphs just sounding like they're all around you. And, yeah, all the creaks inside the ship. And, yeah, it's going to be amazing.
1: I want the necromorphs to be a little bit more random because, like, towards the second half of the first Dead Space game... You, you would look at a vent and be like, okay, there's something definitely coming out of there. You know? <laughs> and then he would jump out. So uh, later in the game, they it did become a little bit more predictable. So hopefully with this new one, they can make the AI spawning a lot more random.
0: So, and they also go on to say, and the super fast... SSDs on modern systems allows us to load and unload really fast. Our intention is to offer a fully unbroken experience. It will be an uninterrupted sequence shot from start screen to end credit without interruption.
1: You think they'll have the tram stations again?
0: Ooh, I don't... I, you know, I was thinking about that. I don't know what they're going to do. Because they do go on to say that they're going to try to stay as close to the original vision as possible. But there's definitely things that they're going to modernize. Now, to me, I don't think it's going to be a load screen, like how how it was. Like, you might actually, like, ride the tram and get off completely uninterrupted.
1: Yeah, it just gets there really fast.
0: Yeah. It might be similar to how, like, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, when you ride the elevators. There's really no need to. You know, they allow, like, two seconds in. You can just skip it if you want. So, but, but, you know, back in the old game, they used that to have, like, conversation and character development.
1: You get some really good back-and-forth uh, banter with, like, uh, Garrus and Liara, they would say some funny shit.
0: Yeah, so they go on to say, "...the objective we gave to the whole team was to have players pick up the controller and completely lose track of time. Like, they play through the entire experience without without putting the controller down. That's how immersive we want our game to be, that people just dive in and don't come out until the credits roll." I mean that that doesn't sound healthy, but I get what he's saying.
1: Yeah, there's two games I I played not that long ago that did that to me, and it was The Last of Us Part Two. I, I just couldn't put the controller down. It was very unhealthy. Like I I think I had like a seven hour session. Wow. Yeah, I had a hard time putting down The Last of Us Part Two.
0: Yeah, totally. That game is fucking amazing. But that's as so you see now. The Last of Us Part Two is horror, but it's like it's other things too. Dead Space is just straight up
1: fucking horror, like tension all the time.
0: Yeah, man. Being on the Ishimura, it's just oppressive. It's like you feel like the walls are closing in on you. So yeah, that that stretched out over, I don't know, how long was that game? Like ten hours ish? Uh, would you say nine hours? Nine. Okay. Yeah. So let's see, they go on to say that's, you know, as I was saying before about honoring the vision of the original, they say the main source of inspiration is the original vision for Dead Space. We make sure we're following the story, the art direction, everything. We are taking the opportunity to also do away with some things that don't work and make sure the game stays relevant to modern audiences, but even that has to be done surgically So clearly they're like taking great care to stick to the original vision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I played the Dead Space Trilogy less than a year ago and it still holds up. But of course, there's things you can do to modernize it. Like we were saying uh, with the tram system, you could take advantage of that SSD and just, you know, they could totally gut that out if they wanted to. But I don't think they will, because if you're going to do one shot, like they're saying, because the way they're making it sound is like God of War. You know how God of War was just like one continuous shot? Uh-huh. If they can manage to do that, uh, this could be one of my favorite games of all time.
1: I can't believe we're getting a Dead Space remake. And then there's two other remakes that haven't been announced yet officially, but people say they do exist. There's Alan Wake Remastered and the KOTOR remake oh my god what a time to be alive right now dead space and alan wake and the first knights of the Old republic are in my like top games of all time and i mentioned that last week when when i was playing uh that game with indy he was guessing my favorite games of all time and they're on there so it's, i'm just so happy that i'm getting remakes
0: yeah and you just got the the mass effect legendary edition too so it's like it's yep. almost it's almost like they're speaking win- to me yeah, they went to you and they're like, Mike, what would you want? Let's We just want to make only you happy.
1: Yeah, Ubisoft, uh, give me Splinter Cell if you're listening, please. I want that one. I don't want a remaster. I mean, just make a whole new Splinter Cell game with, with Michael Ironside. That's all I want.
0: Mike, I, I'm sorry. I don't think even you have that power to resurrect
1: Splinter Cell. <laughs> I can't will it into existence, no.
0: But yeah, so Mike's, but like I was saying about, you know, they want to make sure the game stays relevant to modern audiences. What are some things that you think that they could change to make it more modern?
1: Oh, well, the controls for starters, um, because in the first Dead Space game, you run by holding the left bumper.
0: Yep, that's true.
1: Let me click down on the left stick once and then he runs. That's all I need to do. You can keep the R1 stomping. That's fine. Reload with X like you could in the Dead Space 2 and 3 first game didn't have that you had to like hold down the trigger and uh, I think I'm remembering this right you hold down the left trigger and hit a yes I think you're right uh yeah a little clunky uh you get used to it but yeah let's modernize some of that shit they did say they're gonna take some stuff from dead space 2 right
0: yeah 2 and 3 probably
1: yeah so that that's yeah so all the stuff I mentioned yeah put that in the first game
0: and what about the zero g do you think they could improve that at all
1: yeah, the camera, um, the camera in the first game is a little weird.
0: I think it definitely got better as the series went on, so maybe just yeah, kind three. of three
1: Three's the best.
0: Insert the how it was in the third, but make it like that more, and maybe tweak it a little bit.
1: Oh, here's here's the thing I would like them to change. I want less oxygen in those uh, sections where you're in uh you're in zero G and there's no air in the room. Two and three, they gave you too much time on your uh. On your oxygen tank would be like two hundred and something seconds. I'm like, no, yeah, let's cut that down even more, so it's a lot more uh, nerve wracking to find air.
0: Yeah, I agree. More frantic. They in the third one, they definitely gave you way too much O2, especially when you're like flying around outside the ship. You know, it's like, dude.
1: There's like tanks everywhere. Yeah. when you're flying out there. It's like there's one here, there's one there, and there's one here. Oh, Well, that's convenient. They just have air tanks all over the place out here in the in the uh, minefield mess of a ship. I forgot to mention this, but I've said it before in a previous episode. But yeah, give Isaac Clark his voice in the first game. I like just like in two and three, put it in one. I don't want silent Isaac Clark because when the other characters try to talk to Isaac, it's a one-way conversation and it sounds all weird and shit, and it never works out. And that's a huge pet peeve of mine in, in gaming. I, I like it when uh, your main character has a voice. I don't like him being completely silent unless it's an RPG where you can like. Pick what you want to say in text. That's fine. But yeah, give him a voice.
0: They'll definitely give him a voice. I think that's we can just assume that's going to happen. Um, now, will it be the original voice actor? That's up in the air. Would you like the original voice actor, or do you care?
1: I know this is going to piss people off. I don't care if they get somebody else. Now, don't get Troy Baker. do am not saying <laughs> get Troy Baker. You know, I don't want to hear somebody that's very familiar, but... I'm fine if they get somebody else. It's not a big deal to me,
0: Troy Baker gets enough work look he, he doesn't need the job i I think I agree with you like I don't think like I mean the original voice actor did a fine job, but I don't think he was memorable enough that you have to recast him
1: if we can get somebody better, why not? I mean, this is a remake from the ground up, so we're gonna be changing a lot of shit, so why not the voices?
0: yeah, and uh so they also say some worse stuff about um well, I'll just go ahead and read it. We started with the original level design of the original Dead Space. What's funny is that you can see some of the iterations that were made prior to ship by the team. In the first chapter, you can see some corridors that they wanted to do first in a certain way, then you can understand why they changed it for technical constraints. That's basically what we were talking about with like with the SSD and things like that are going to allow right. them to change uh, now that they have more uh technical capabilities. Um, and then it says, in terms of visuals, sound, gameplay, everything, we are rebuilding all of these assets. We are not porting them. It's not up the texture or adding more polygons to the model. It's really rebuilding all these elements, shooting all the animations, et cetera. So that, that sounds great to me. <laughs> um, I, I am really curious to see like what changes
1: they actually make though, you know, the fully utilize right. the new hardware. now. Do you think they're going to change up the story a lot or keep it mostly the same and just maybe add new things here and there to keep to make it feel different? What do you think they're going to do with that?
0: The interesting thing is, I'm glad you brought that up, because the interesting thing is they they kind of they have the hindsight now of having the second and third game and all the, you know, extended um, you know, novels and
1: they know where it goes.
0: Yeah, exactly. They know where it goes, so now they can much better like layer in stuff into this remake that they weren't able to do in the original, so that's also going to be interesting. I think they're definitely going to pull stuff in from the other games, story-wise.
1: Stuff I won't mention, but I, I know yeah, what you're i was, talking <laughs> Yeah, I
0: was going to say, I don't want to give away any spoilers. because Definitely uh,
1: keeping this spoiler-free, because there's going to be a lot of new Dead Space players.
0: When do you think this is coming out? Uh, Well, it's they're, it seems like they're still pretty early on. I'm going to guess maybe like two years. 23? Yeah, possibly pushed it to 2024 only because of COVID. Well, what do you think?
1: Did they just start working on this game?
0: They haven't been clear, but the the fact that they re, or it's reported that the Resident Evil remakes was the inspiration and that Resident Evil 2 remake only came out in 2019... I'm going to say they probably have only been working on it for maybe a
1: year. If they've been working on it for about a year, I think late 2023 sounds right. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm starting to think about it more. I could see it being 2024 even. Shit.
0: The only thing that's making me think that it would come out quicker is the fact that it's a remake. They pretty much already have the framework. Even though they're rebuilding everything, right. they have the framework, which is a huge part
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying.
0: I think that'll cut down development time significantly. I just want them to take their time on it, because I think this is going to be the definitive version. As much as I absolutely love the original, I think this has the chance to surpass that.
1: But if you guys can't wait, go play the trilogy. They still hold up. I can confirm that. that They still hold up.
0: Yeah, it's it's really not that bad. Like The controls, I've had way worse controls for for old games. These are totally doable.
1: Yeah, like Resident Evil 1 on the PS1. Perfect example.
0: Yeah, we we don't need to talk about that. That's that's uh that's you know, you just enjoy your memories you had of it.
1: I like bringing it up a lot because it pisses Sean off. I know Sean really likes the original Resident Evil game. He's talked about it so much over the years. So, if I can shit on it during the show, if it make if it makes sense, you know, if it's appropriate to bring it up, I'm going to do it just to piss him off.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. All right, let's move on from this. We've been talking about this for a while. So, uh, yeah, um, next I want to hit, just remind everybody that there is an Xbox sale going on right now. A huge, huge sale, lots of stuff. And it only lasts till August 5th. So by the time this episode is out, you'll probably have less than a week to get on that. Did you buy anything on it? I did buy something.
1: Ooh, me too.
0: Okay, well, you go ahead and tell me, and then I'll tell you mine.
1: It's the uh, Batman Arkham Collection. It comes with Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight, and uh, all of the DLC for these games. Yes, all of the DLC for Arkham Knight, because there is a shit ton of it. All of that for eleven ninety nine. I was like, I gotta do this. I don't own these games on Xbox. I never played all of the DLC in Arkham Knight. There's a ton of story expansions they released. I never played. I did play that big one with uh, Batgirl, though, which was pretty good. I recommend it.
0: Yeah, I, I never did play that.
1: Really? Oh, man, you should just get the freaking collection, man. It, it's it's worth it just for that. Holy shit.
0: There, I don't think I played, like, any of the DLCs on any of those games. Damn. What, was the, uh, the Catwoman stuff, was that part of a DLC?
1: Uh, there's a Catwoman DLC in Arkham City and Arkham Knight.
0: Okay. Yeah, I never played that one. But yeah that's that's an absurd deal, like if you've never played any of those games or if you've even played just like Arkham Asylum and not the others like jump on that because that's like so many hours worth of amazing content
1: here think of it this way Batman Arkham Knight's season pass was around thirty bucks when it came out with this collection you're getting three games and all the DLC for eleven ninety
0: nine that that's why it pays to wait sometimes for games <laughs> you'll get like Stupid deals. If if you don't suffer from like FOMO, fear of missing out, you, you, man, yeah, jump on this. Um, so Mike, I wanted to tell you what I got because I think you'll be extremely excited about this. And um, actually, you, uh, I believe you referenced these earlier. Um, but they are Kotor one and two. I bought them.
1: Holy shit! Oh, I'm, I'm gonna I have to break your heart though. Kotor two, horrible port. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It was really bad on the 360, and it's the same one on the Xbox One Series X. The frame rate in combat drops all the way down to like three, four frames per second if there's too many enemies you're finding at once. It was unplayable. So I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but the first game runs fine. So there you got that.
0: Look, I dealt with control at launch. That was, like, there's parts of that where you were getting, like, maybe, like, two frames per second when there was, like, tons of enemies on screen.
1: This sometimes feels like it's not moving at all.
0: Well, you know, I couldn't pass it up because they were each $5. Yeah, that's right. $5, Mike. So, I was, nice. like, I've been wanting to play these for a while. And I was, like, yeah, even if, like, I don't enjoy them, like, $5. Like, that's nothing, you know? Because these, these are, like, these types of games... Well, not types of games, these particular games. I don't know why I said types of games. These two exact games are like games that you must play. You know, those are the ones that are on everybody's, they're my yeah. blind spots is what I'm trying to say. So I wanted to remedy that.
1: I absolutely love those games. But I'm going to be real with you guys. Mechanically, it's dated a little bit. But if you can get past that, there's some good story there. Kraya is probably one of the best female characters in the entire franchise. So isn't the
0: first one turn-based?
1: They're both turn-based. They're all off the same mechanics. Oh, okay. Yeah, you walk around and shit, but then when the combat starts, you can either have it uh, pause the combat, and then you select what you want to do, like what attacks you want to pick and stuff, or you can turn it on where it just keeps going, and then you have to like pick things on the fly as they're moving and shit. Do you plan on playing it soon or way down the line?
0: I am not sure. It's just I kind of decide what I'm going to play based on how the mood strikes me. So gotcha. we'll oh. see. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of Xbox, though, um, you got an Xbox Series X, which you talked mm-hmm. about briefly last week with
1: Indie. But That's now right. that you've
0: had a little more time with it, um, give us your thoughts, Mike.
1: The one thing I noticed immediately is this system gets really hot. This thing pumps out a lot of heat. And that's how it's designed. Because I put my hand next to the vent. and I was like, whew, that is warm. Now, now you stand yours up vertically though, right? No, it's on its belly. I have n- no place for it to stand up. And it's fine. It's fine where it is right now. It, just, it looks like a Minecraft block on its belly. <laughs> it, it's just such a weird shape. But that's not a problem, you know. The system can look like a potato. I don't give a shit as long as it plays games and functions the way it's supposed to function. Don't care what it looks like at the end of the day. Uh, now, one thing is the uh, controller. Now, you probably saw the picture I just sent you on Yeah, Messenger. I'm looking at it right now. Though. The Series X controller is a little bit smaller than the one controller.
0: So, Mike, in this picture you sent me, which one is the Series X controller? The bottom one. Okay, that's what I thought. But, like, they're so similar that it's Yeah, well, the tell, D-pads but... are
1: different. Yeah, I noticed that... There's the share button in the middle at the bottom. You see that?
0: I do see that. Yep. I did notice that, yeah, the Series X controller is slightly smaller than the Xbox One.
1: Now, the D-pad is 10 times better on this thing, but very loud. Like, holy shit, it's loud when you're clicking it. And it was already loud on the Xbox One controller, but it's even louder on this one. I don't understand the whole loud button shit with Microsoft's controllers, but whatever. This has, uh, like a, uh, how would I describe this? It has like tiny texture dots on the handles and the triggers. So it prevents your fingers from slipping off and shit like that. And, uh, it feels nice in the hand. Now here's something you're going to like, Chuck, the X, Y, B, a face buttons, way more responsive. You don't have to like really press them down. Like the, uh, base Xbox one controllers for them to register because we have that problem sometimes with those old Xbox One controllers. Remember when we were playing Resident Evil 5 <laughs> oh, and you yeah. were having problems with the quick time events? It, sh- it wasn't the game, it was just that, you know, you weren't pressing the, the Xbox buttons down hard enough.
0: Yeah, it's like they're so hard, they're so bulbous and so hard, like you really digs into your thumb when you're pressing them down, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's registering a lot of the time. Yeah, well, that's good to hear.
1: Yeah, but overall it is a better controller. I still prefer the DualSense. It's ten times better.
0: Well, yeah.
1: I like the upgrade, but it still seems lazy to me. I, I was hoping for something more uh, futuristic like the DualSense, but maybe down the line they'll give us something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the, they're definitely looking into making a DualSense-like controller for Xbox. I think Phil Spencer has already said something to that effect, so... I don't. I don't know. It might be like a couple years because that that technology takes time to develop. So
1: yeah, exactly. There's somebody out there right now screaming, "Oh, there's the Xbox Elite controllers. Those are far superior. You should get one of those." But it's like a two hundred dollar controller. I'm not spending that much. That's the price of like a Switch Lite. Not happening. I'm not a pro gamer or anything. I don't need something that advanced.
0: Yeah, especially for thing like things that break so much. You know, I mean, these aren't, let's be honest, these aren't the Xbox 360 controllers. No, <laughs> be- no, they're better build quality than that. But things like headsets and controllers, like I I have a hard time justifying spending like over 150, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. As for some other things, there's one setting you have to turn off immediately. I already told you this Shaka a few days ago, but the auto HDR, turn that shit off. Because it forces games that don't have HDR to have HDR and it looks like ass. Okay. I'm not saying turn HDR off completely. There's two different settings where you have your regular HDR and then you'll see the auto HDR. Auto HDR is on by default. Turn it off. Trust me. It forced it on dead cells and it looked like crap. (laughs) And I turned the auto thing off and it looked beautiful. I was like, yeah, okay. But yeah, it, it just sucks that the dashboard is exactly the same. Same layout, everything. It looks like I'm on my Xbox One S. And that is disappointing. I know some say, oh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, it's a next generation console. I want to see some different shit on here.
0: I wonder why they did that. Because it seems like they, with how seamless Xbox is trying to make everything across all their platforms, I that probably is why they didn't change much.
1: Probably, but still, I, I want to see new shit.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and it's not like the the Xbox UI was like amazing before anyway, so it definitely
1: could have used some changing. Yeah, now I know I sound a little negative right now about my Series X, but I really, really like it. Jock, the quick resume, I love it so much. It's great having like three Series X games and a couple 360 games all ready to go at the same time, because switch back and forth, and it brings me right back to where I was in the game, like like after after a few seconds. I can turn the system off completely, you know, have it in uh, energy saving mode, and it still has the, uh, the uh, quick resume sl- save states. So I- I've been playing um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'll-, I'll get into that later in the What We're Playing section, but I've been playing that, and it's awesome that I could just go right back in no menus, nothing. No boot-up screens. I'm, I'm right on the map instantly. It's my favorite thing about the system.
0: That's actually one of the things I was looking forward to the most for the Series X. I think I'll probably get a Series X by the end of the year. Yeah, but so I was thinking, like, how cool would a quick resume be for a game like
1: Returnal? I mean, you can kind of do it with Resmo, but that's not the same thing. No. You got to put your system in like a sleep mode and then you got to have the game running and it's a completely different thing. And I know you can kind of do that with the Xbox One as well if you have it on um instant on. You can have like one game running.
0: Yeah, the quick resume though, it's like you can have multiple things up where you can just switch back and forth between them like within seconds. Yeah, that's nice. I really hope uh Sony implements something like that down the line.
1: I think they will. And there's something, you know, Xbox can... Get from Sony too is uh, share play. I want a share play on Xbox.
0: Oh yeah, for I sure. I think that's a
1: very underrated feature on the PlayStation systems. It's great where you can have your friend just come in in the party and be like, "Hey, I want to show you this game real quick. I know you don't own it, but you can check it out and play it with me. Hey, we can even play the whole game and share play <laughs> if if we wanted to. Like that option's there. I mean, if you have a good internet connection, you you can have a fun time with with a friend who doesn't even own the game. So it's it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's a great feature. A great feature that we actually use quite a bit on PS5 and PS4. Now, and while we're talking about uh, sharing features, also, Sony, can you let us gift games, please?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I love doing that on the Xbox consoles. It's great. I mean, I just sent you uh, Resident Evil Revelations not that long ago. Yeah, yep. And every once in a while, I'll just send someone a random game on my list. Even someone who I haven't talked to in a while, they'll be like, "Oh, cool! Thanks, man! I'll just give them like it's like a four or five dollar game or something in the sale." It's it's fun to do. It's such a cool
0: feature, especially with how many sales Sony has. It's like, yeah, you could it could just be like Christmas or whatever. You could just send a friend like a bunch of games, cheap games, whatever. You know, it's it's such a simple feature to implement. They they could definitely do it. Yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, sending games, you wanted to talk about GameFly.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 Gamefly. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so I, I sent back Demon Souls and The Pathless. Now, I didn't mention The Pathless in the last episode. It was because um, I played it for like 20 minutes, and I was like, I'm not in the mood for this. This is not the kind of game I want to play right now. I'm like, I'm sure this is a great game and all, but I'm like, I'm sending this back. So, yeah, I sent both the games back, and I was like, all right, I might as well just cancel this because the month's about to end one dollar month that they gave me and i was like all right well i think i'm done with it so i go to cancel it and it asks me you sure you want to cancel i'm like yeah and they ask me again you sure And i'm like yeah and then it's like well why do you want to cancel and it gives you a bunch of options and i was just like "Eh, i don't know i'll just pick one at random like games come too slow which is true sometimes they come slow then it came back and said hey the next month's on us so i'm getting game fly for another month for free
0: Ah, just when you thought you were out, they pull you back in.
1: Hey, it's free, and it's two games out at a time, so I'm like, hell yeah. So I put a bunch of Nintendo Switch games on there, and uh, they sent me Yoshi's Crafted World and that new Mario Golf game. Oh, cool. I have them right now. So you'll probably hear about Mario Golf next week. But yeah, it was cool. I was like, yeah, another another month, shit. So the first month, I spent the dollar, and then the next month, they got it for free. Getting a lot of games right now for nothing, basically. Yeah, really, no kidding.
0: Yeah, I heard that uh, Mario Golf was eh, not too great, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it next week. All right, Mike, Um, while we're talking about things we're playing or plan to play, um, why don't we just move on to what we are actually playing this week? <laughs> I think uh, I will let you start out because I think you have a game that is, uh, you've been playing on your Series X.
1: Yeah. Well, I already mentioned Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but I'm going to get to that uh, shortly. There's another game I want to talk about first. I beat the Medium. Uh, It was uh, on my uh, list of games I wanted to check out. And since I got the Series X, I was like, all right, it's on Game Pass. Let me go play it. Now, it is coming to PS5. It is coming to PS5 later this year. Now, the Medium isn't the kind of game you want to play to see what your Series X can do. Like, how powerful is this thing? Like, I want to see how it runs this game. This game probably looks amazing. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It looks like a (laughs) last-generation game. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it does, Well, which is not a bad thing. No, no. It still looks good, but Series X, I'm like...
0: You expect more, yeah.
1: Now, the big thing this game can do that the developers claim that they couldn't run it on last-gen is you can control... Your character in two different realms at the same time, you know the, the 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 real world and the spirit world, and they said they couldn't get that to run on PS4 and Xbox One, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, really? Well, maybe, maybe I'm not saying they're lying, but it's just like I wish they went into it a little bit more. It, yeah, it just seems like it could run on a PS4 Pro or something, but whatever. um Now, for, as for the actual game itself, oof. it's a hard recommend. Um, I think at the End of the day, I like it, but there's stuff in there that's just questionable. Like what? There's a lot of walking in this game, like a ton of it. Now, I, I played a lot of walking simulators, and I'm fine with that, but the kind of game it is, the psychological horror game and stuff, I was like, eh, I kind of want to do more than just this. Now, there is some puzzles in it where you have to like go back and forth between the realms and stuff like that. But other than that, uh, all the only other things you do in the game is like you pick up tons of collectibles and you got to read a bunch of shit and yeah, it just it is what it is. Now the main protagonist, I can't remember her name. I want to say it's Marlene, but I'm probably wrong, but I'm just going to call her Marlene anyway. So her voice acting is odd. There's moments where it's really good and then there's other moments where it sounds so stiff and robotic. And it sometimes happens in very important scenes. And I'm just like, oh, man, if they delivered a really good line here, it would, would have made the scene even better. But I got, oh, and that's the way it happened. I'm like, why is she talking like that? And it has nothing to do with like narrative purposes? No, I actually think the dialogue is, well, the dialogue for the most part is fine. And, and the story is interesting. And in, the, and in the third act, it gets really, really good. I just can't go into it right now because I know Jacques wants to play this game. I'm sure we'll talk about the story at a later time after he's played it. I think you're going to dig it. I think you're going to like it. But the things you're not going to like is like the controls, the camera angle gets really, really weird. It's one of those you walk into a room and the camera completely changes in a different direction. And then you walk out of the room, goes back into a different direction. You go down the hall, shows it in this cinematic view and... If you're not a fan of that in games, you're going to hate this. <laughs>
0: yeah, sort of like the Dark Pictures Anthology games.
1: Yes, but not as good.
0: Okay. Yikes. I mean, it can't be as bad as Resident Evil 1, though, right? No, 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 no. It's not that bad. That's just fucking terrible, right, Sean?
1: What do you have to say about that, Sean? We're listening. <laughs> We're trying to antagonize our buddy Sean. What? <laughs> You know, we're eventually going to get him on the show at some point down the line, and I'm sure he's going to roast me for all of these Resident Evil 1 jokes I'm throwing out there and keep shitting on the game.
0: <laughs> when we do get him on here eventually, we should do, like, a a debate about, like, Resident Evil 1 versus Dead Space, the original one. That's the topic. No, I'm just kidding. That's yeah, not the no, topic. Yeah, no, for real. That is going to be the topic. Oh, okay. He can argue for uh, Resident Evil 1, and uh, we'll gang up on him and tell him
1: why he's wrong. Hey, I respect the past. I respect the past. Resident Evil 1, when it came out, amazing. But as time goes on and the years pass, the older games sometimes don't hold up. And that's just one of those games that don't hold up. We can respect it. We can appreciate what it did for the gaming industry. But come on, you just got to admit it. It doesn't run well in 2021. I'm sorry. Like if someone thinks it does, you're wrong.
0: Isn't like Indie a fan of that game too? I don't know. That's a good question. Cause he uh he tagged us in that video about that like um game that's coming out, the indie game. I forget what it's called, but it's basically a tribute to like those old Silent Hills and Resident Evils. So I assume he's like a fan of that stuff too.
1: But anyway, let me go back to the medium real quick. Um the Metacritic score it has, I think, is like a seventy seventy one. I think that's somewhat accurate. It's yeah, it's very mixed, like some people absolutely love this game. Others hate it to death. I think I'm somewhere in the middle, and I'm leaning towards the positive. Like I said, at the end of the day, I like it, but it has flaws. But I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that until I play it possibly later this year when I get a uh, Series X, because it is on Game Pass,
1: right? Yep, it's on there. Okay. What you been playing?
0: Well, uh, also a horror game. The Sinking City, which I bought on sale like a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago on uh, the PlayStation. It's inspired by like HP Lovecraft, uh, Cthulhu Mythos, and stuff like that. So I've only played maybe, I don't know, two or three hours. Um, So far, I am loving the atmosphere. Like, they totally nailed that. The graphics are pretty good, I would say. Um, you know, it's just constantly raining everywhere because you're, you're basically the setup is you're a detective and you're, you're waking up on this ship, which has docked at this city called Oakmont, which I believe is in Massachusetts. And you're, you're going there to investigate these visions that you've been having. Um, yeah. So you're trying to find that out. And basically when you get to this and it's the, the, the whole set premise, too, is like this city is something happened where it's there was a flood and it's basically disconnected from the rest of the mainland. So it's sort of like one giant like city island. So hence the sinking city. So you, you get off the ship and you're, you're, you know, you're talking to the townsfolk. It's very cre- like dark atmosphere. You know, some of the people are are weird, you know, just things seem off. Yeah, it's kind of an investigation type game. You know, you got to look for clues, piece clues together, sort of like L.A. Noirish. So, like, you might oh, okay. like this game. It's not quite as good as that, but you know, it's in the same ballpark. And there, there, there's varying difficulties you can set to at the beginning, where you can like have hints, or you can have like zero help at all, like no directions, nothing. You all, you just have to piece it all together yourself. So I I went more with like the, the easier route because I'm just like, you know what? I fucking don't have time to be a real detective. <laughs> I want I wanted this game to make me feel like I'm smarter than I am. So, yeah. And like so, like I said, the city's flooded. So there's like streets part. Some streets are flooded. So they turn into canals almost like uh you've seen like Italy, like Venice, where they like have those boats right. going through the city. Yeah. It's sort of like that. So you have like this boat. And it's sort of open world, too. So it's like a small map. It's not huge, but it's open world. So, and they do have fast travel and stuff like that. Um, now, the bad parts. Ooh, this game has some performance issues. I wish I could have screenshotted or taken video of some of these. Um, and this stuff is common too. This is not just like, oh, little thing here, little thing there. NPCs are just like walking through the ground and floating in the air, like all over the place. Like, I I just had, like, a line of NPCs just, like, literally walking through objects. (laughs) Like, a dude was, like, sitting down reading a newspaper. His newspaper kept, like, flying back and going through his head and stuff like that. It's very messy. Although, like I said, the graphics do look good. But, yeah, it is messy. There's a lot of bugs. You can kind of overlook it, but it does kind of take you out of the game a little bit. So far, that's that's what I noticed. I, I think I'm going to continue to play it. Like, I like it well enough to where I'm going to continue. Okay. Yeah, just just be aware that there is issues. And there is a, some DLC for this game, too, but I probably won't play it. But, you know, the game was on sale for like 15 bucks. I had been wanting to play it for a while.
1: So, you know, there you go. Yeah, sometimes you just have to take the uh, leap of faith with certain games and see if you like it or not. So so are you enjoying it so far? I mean,
0: yeah, for the most part, it's 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 a little clunky like I said. It it's not fun getting around the map.
1: Oh, that's never good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stuff kind of looks a little samey too. But I do like the dreary atmosphere. I love that it's like raining all the time because I love rain. So, and, and you know, you talk to the townsfolk, they give you like some options for dialogue and stuff. But it doesn't really change anything about the story as far as I've seen so far. Yep, the sinking city. So, uh, yeah, Mike, what's your next two games? Well, you said Valhalla, so you might as well go move on to that. No,
1: I'm I'm gonna save Valhalla for last. Uh, I'm just gonna mention Super Mario 3D World again because i finished it i didn't start the bowser's fury dlc i'm actually going to save that for another time because i want to move on to mario golf and yoshi's crafted world uh yeah it's it's a mario game i don't need to sell you on this it's a mainline mario game you know what you're getting here if you're a big mario fan play this game like immediately there's one course in this that's so freaking awesome they took a racetrack from the uh Super Nintendo uh, Super Mario Kart game. Well, it's not the actual track, but it it plays the music, and then it kind of looks like the track when you're running through the course and shit. It's awesome. I absolutely loved it.
0: Which which track is it? Because that's like one of my favorite games.
1: It's the very first track. I think you play in the game. Okay. Yeah, this is the reason why I own a Switch. It's it's these damn Mario games. Like every single one they put out is just a home run, grand slam. And I'm not talking about Mario kart or you know the golf games tennis i'm I'm talking about the main mario games the 3d games the odysseys the galaxy super mario brothers deluxe that kind of shit they're just so damn good i just can't wait for the next game to be announced i hope it's odyssey 2 because if it is i'm pre-ordering day one
0: yeah and nintendo they always make sure their main mario games are polished as fuck that's i'll give them that so what would you say this is like, though? What other Mario game would you compare it to?
1: Well, last week I said it's like Super Mario World and Super Mario Brothers 3, but they just made it 3D and you have more control over where you want to go and shit. And they also took stuff from a previous Mario games where um, you grow, like, crazy big. I forget which Mario game introduced that, where you, you get this, like, uh, weird-looking mushroom and you grow to, like, a freaking giant. You can just crush everything. I think that was on the DS Super Mario Brothers game. They basically just take a lot of things from previous Mario games and then just craft it into this special game. All right, so the next game is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, Yes, I've been playing it on the Series X. And uh, before you start this game, you're going to have to go to your Xbox settings and turn all the HDR off. Because if you leave any of it on, it's going to look God-awful in this game. I I couldn't believe how bad the HDR looked in Valhalla. And when I first saw that, I was like, oh, maybe it's my TV, or I don't have my TV settings on the right stuff. No, it's not that. There's a shit ton of people on Reddit who complain about it, too. There's people who have $1,500 $2,000 TVs, and they said, "Nah, we gotta turn this shit off. I I can't. I just can't play with this. What it does is it makes the entire uh, screen very foggy and very dark. I know it's supposed to make uh, shadows and shit look more realistic and stuff, but it goes way too far with it. When I turned all the HDR shit off, the game looked a million times better. I was just completely baffled and speechless that they messed up HDR so bad in that game.
0: Yeah, that's when you know they really messed it up, is when you turn it off and it's like an immediate difference.
1: So that's why I recommend... uh, Turning on HDR in a game and then turning it off and, you know, see what it looks like. Do that with every game because developers are, haven't really figured it out quite yet. Like, it looks amazing in Village, but then you go play Valhalla and it just looks like ass and like Man of Madon, it looked terrible. So you're going to have to experiment with that.
0: So I usually just keep auto-HDR on, but I'm starting to think maybe I should experiment with turning it off with some games. How can you tell right away that it needs to be turned off?
1: If it looks way too dark and foggy, that's usually a sign. I, I'm not a 100% believer in HDR. It's hilarious reading the comments on Reddit and people are like, oh, I turned HDR off and my system looks like a million bucks, looks so much better. It's, I keep hearing that about that setting. So, guys, please experiment with it. And it doesn't matter which TV you have. Like, I was just saying, there's people on those uh, comment sections saying, like, they had the most expensive TVs and it still looked like crap. But, yeah, back to Valhalla, you know, it's just like Odyssey and Origins. It's just bigger. Way, way bigger. There's way too much to do in it.
0: Yeah, there really, is. Yeah, 'Cause because I played Odyssey, that's like the only one of the new
1: ones I played, and that was like, oh my god, this thing goes on forever. I'm enjoying the game, but they're having an identity crisis. I think Indy said that uh, when we were talking uh, a couple days ago.
0: Yeah, I it agree. It really is. It doesn't
1: know what it wants to be. Doesn't want to be Witcher, doesn't want to be Assassin's Creed, doesn't want to be this game, doesn't want to be that game. It, it's like lost. I really see that in Valhalla. Now, Valhalla is a very good game still. And graphically, it looks amazing. Sometimes, not all the time, but if the you know if the sunlight is hitting the water in just the right way, and you're looking off in the distance, it looks so realistic.
0: Yeah, that's that's just like Odyssey. That's one thing I noticed. The strong suit is yeah, the
1: environments look fucking amazing. But uh, I'll have more to say about that next week because I've only played seven hours of it. I know that sounds like a lot, but it isn't, <laughs> because this game is over 50 hours long. Just the story it's 50 hours long, but if you want to complete everything, well over 130 hours. Wow, that is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's going to take you a minute to beat that one. But
1: yeah, that's all I've been playing, except for Mario Golf, but too soon to talk about that.
0: Yeah, all right, well, I guess I better talk about my game. Uh, this, this will be the last game we talk about, and that is Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, because I finally beat it. And, um, you don't like it. No, it's not that I actually, I I, see I'm torn because there's, there's really nothing wrong with it. It it is a great polished game. You know, the writing is great. It looks great. Um, the, the combat is fun, but it just something about it is just like, I just wanted to hurry up and get through it. Now it might have been my mood. I don't know but i just felt like it was it was and this this kind of is what we'll touch on in our topic in a few minutes but it's just it's stale it's it just
1: seems like the
0: same shit really? we've gotten yeah it's
1: it's i didn't feel that at all oh wow, that's that's interesting
0: it's like yeah it's got all the bells and whistles but i'm just like man i'm just kind of going through the motions with it it's like you know and the writing just it was good but it just seemed too corny for me and it's just like you know, to be honest, like towards the end, I just put in a podcast and muted it. Eh. I didn't even care at that point, really. What was got kind of wow. just cursely was paying attention to the story is enough to where I know what was happening. The voice performances are great. Like uh, Jennifer Hale is Rivet. I love Rivet since the moment I saw her. I was like, I love this character. Her design is awesome. She's, you know, like, um, I like, um, Uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on her bot's name. It's not Clank. What's the other one? Oh, shit. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. You'll think of it. But, but yeah, I was just, I was totally surprised because I'm like, man, I'm just really, like, not into this. And there's really nothing wrong with it. I mean, I did encounter a few bugs, like, halfway through. Um, nothing major, but just kind of like, um, you know, like falling through a map or something. Or when I was doing that little, like, uh, that little spider thing where you go into the, the
1: machines and. Oh, that's spider bot, little hacking device. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You vanquish the virus or whatever the, I got the head this one where I got like hit by a, a blast from an enemy and it like got me stuck in a, I was still able to walk around stuff, but it wasn't like attached to a wall or floor like it was supposed to be. So I was kind of just like floating there and I couldn't get out of it. So I had a couple bugs like that, but but nothing crazy, you know, considering they worked on this game through COVID. It came out pretty polished. But yeah, I really don't have a lot of negative shit to say about it other than I just, it's just kind of there for me, which totally caught that's me.
1: That's wild. I love the game. So that's that's interesting hearing you say that. It's possible you just weren't in the mood for the game. The Pathless, I hear, is really good. I, I just played 20 minutes of it. I'm like, oh, I'm just not. I'm just, I just, this is not the game I want to play right now. I just put, send that shit right back to Gamefly.
0: Yeah, it's, it's got to be that because I really did enjoy the 2016 Ratchet and Clank. And yeah, it's, it's probably just my mood, but I, I just really thought I would like it more than I did. I mean, my, my tastes in gaming are always changing too. And mm. I, I think I'm like really into like indie games and smaller games right now. Is that a segue? Yeah, why not? Let's uh, move on to our topic, Mike, which is, are AAA games getting stale? <laughs> um, yeah, basically, you know, AAA versus AA or indies. So, uh, now that I've talked a little bit, and I'll talk some more on it, but w- what's your thoughts on this, Mike?
1: I don't agree with AAA games being stale right now. I When I think of stale AAA games, my mind immediately goes to Ubisoft. But I do think there's a lot of great AAA games that that are still coming out or about to come out. And uh, it was funny, when I was uh, working on my top 25 list for that uh, surprise mechanic last week, all of them were AAA games. Yeah, I I absolutely love indie games. I love playing them. I I play them a lot. We're going to be playing The Ascent soon. I, I just played Dead Cells and a few other games. I love those. But at the end of the day... I did not buy a Series X and a PS5 to play indie games. Mm. I got it for the AAA games because you know Dead Cells runs pretty much exactly the same on the Series X. I mean, you know, you no, know, there, there's like benefits like quick resume and shit like that, but it runs just like it did on my Xbox One S. AAA games speak more to me, and a lot of my favorite games are AAA, and a lot that are about to come out are AAA. Got Horizon. There's a Dead Space remake. There's an Alan Wake remaster around the corner. You know, I'm not going to name everything. But yeah, I don't think they're getting stale right now. I think certain types of games are getting stale. And I'm looking at you, Ubisoft. I think their shit is stale as hell.
0: So, I, and I, I do agree with you, and with mostly. Uh, a lot of my favorite games are AAAs as well. And when I say our AAA's getting stale, I kind of mean in a broad sense. I don't mean every game, obviously, because, you know, Resident Evil Village is one of my game of the year contenders. And like you said, yeah, Horizon, God of War, like, I'm there for them day one. So, yeah, no, but it's, I think, and I want you to try to help me to parse through my thoughts because I actually haven't, okay. you know, I hadn't had Let's come get to in this. There. Let's
1: get in there. We dig in there.
0: I hadn't come to this with a set conclusion, so I wanted to help you to help me kind of parse through my thoughts. Right. Yeah, I just feel like, uh, and you could be right. It's like just a certain type of games, like, but I and I can think right off the top of my head, you know, third person, open world, RPG elements. I'm so we're just inundated with those types of games, and the thing is, they can play great. Just like I was saying with Ratchet and Clank, they can look great, they can play great. But just something about them feels soulless and repetitive. Like, how long can we keep doing the same shit? And that's why I feel like with indies, I feel like the most of the creativity, the backbone of the industry is coming from the indie space or triple A or double too. Um, which double A is kind of like, you know, your Hellblades, a Plague mm-hmm. Tale yeah, Innocence, yeah, yeah. things like that. Which I, I call them triple A indies. And I've heard Joseph Farris Uh, refer to them as triple eyes, you know, as like triple triple, eyes, yeah, like indie triple eyes. So, yeah, it's just, um, I lately I've been having a lot more fun with indies, and like I said, in a broad sense, that doesn't mean like totally 100%. Hey,
1: if they're speaking to you right now, play the shit out of them. I mean, you got to play what you're in the mood for, don't play something where it's like, oh, this is the game everybody's talking about right now and it's brand new you know i i really should play it you know, no if you're if you're not feeling it move on it's fine it's fine to move on and indy does it all the time he moves on to like 50 million games yeah we, we know he's he's add uh <laughs> you have to finish dead space 3 and last of Us part 2 indy i don't want to hear any excuses finish those games
0: oh yeah Definitely finish those, M- mainly The Last of Us Part Two. finish that first. But, uh, you know, and there's a game too. I mean, honestly, like, Last of Us Part Two, maybe my favorite game ever. I mean, definitely, like, the most impressed all around I've ever been with a game. I- that's not stale. I mean, that game felt super fresh. But I think you you hit on it too, you know, don't play what everybody else is playing just because you know, or don't don't play something that you're not in the mood for. You know? Yeah, that you feel like you have to because everybody else is playing it, and that could be why I didn't enjoy Ration Clank as much as I could have because it's the newest game out. It's like there's that whole like you know FOMO fear of missing out where you feel like you got to get to it right away, especially now that we're doing the podcast. And yeah, I think it, you are right. It is important to to hit games at the right moment. Play what you. Is drawing you to it? Play what interests you the most. Don't worry about everybody else.
1: Here's another thing that really helps me. Now, I know we have to balance it out because we do a podcast, but I don't look at all of the trailers and new gameplay footage and this and that and this and that for a new game that's about to come out. I watch maybe the, the first trailer they release and maybe one gameplay thing, and that's it. I'm good to go. I don't need to see anymore because sometimes in the past, I watched way too much shit for a game before it came out. And then when the game came out, I was like, "Eh, yeah, I saw I've already seen a lot of this. Yep.
0: That's a good point. And it's the same with like movies. You know, you try to, you maybe watch the first trailer and then you try to avoid all the rest. I try to do that, Mike, but it's hard (laughs) because I want to see, I want to see, I want to see the game.
1: I I am not good at waiting. With Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, not Zero Dawn, I'm sorry, Horizon Forbidden West. I watched the, the first, you know, trailer they showed off, the CGI one, you know, whatever convention, whatever, where was it at? I don't remember.
0: Well, they showed the state of play gameplay demo. Is that what you I don't mean that about? one.
1: Like, the very first thing they showed off, it's when they announced the game.
0: Okay, gotcha, you, gotcha. You.
1: I watched that, and then I watched the state of play thing. That was the gameplay one. And that's it. That's all I need to watch. If I see too much stuff, and then I get to the sections that they showed off in the in these previews and stuff, I'd be like, oh, I know exactly where this is going to go. I don't want to just ruin it for me. You don't need to see that much. I know it sucks. We, we run a podcast. so We got to probably watch a little bit more than we want to. But for a lot of you uh, listeners out there, I mean, just do the bare minimum. You don't got to watch everything.
0: Yeah, that's kind of my mantra for life. Just do the bare minimum. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, no, but seriously, uh, and I, I had some other thoughts too, um, cause I, I feel like I want to talk about Xbox game pass a little bit.
1: Oh, like we don't talk about that enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. We just don't mention it like hardly at all ever. So, but yeah, I kind of want to talk about like its influence going forward on the industry because I feel like, you know, and sh- so Sean Layden, you know, who's the former head of PlayStation. Mm-hmm. He's been trying to tell us for years, like, games are getting too expensive, and we can't keep this up. And you especially look at Sony, like, they're probably the biggest offender. You know, their big exclusives are rivaling, like, big blockbuster movies as far as budget. So it's like, yeah, I don't know how long they can keep that up. And it's like, with Game Pass, I feel, you know, developers have come out and said that we actually feel like we can take more risks with our games Mm -hmm. on there because we have that safety net. And I, I almost feel like that's the way the industry is going. I don't know when the bubble's going to burst, but I feel like eventually it's going to with these big, huge games. There's a way to counter it. You can make the games a little bit shorter. <laughs> we don't need 30, 40, 50 hour games. That is one thing Sean Layden said that they need to be smaller. Um, and, and they would say ta- it would take less time to develop them, too, so you could get more out. And also to Sean Layden, actually, just speaking of him, I think I read something today, an interview with him. Uh, cause he, he just got a job as some advisor or consultant for some group or company I've never heard of. But but he came out and basically was taking a shot at Game Pass, but he was just being honest where he's saying he doesn't know if you can launch a $120 million game on a service that costs nine ninety nine a month.
1: You can if you're Microsoft.
0: Maybe we'll we'll see, but but he's like, yeah, it's just that's not sustainable because he's like the the you know you'd have to have 500 million subscribers for to to see a return. Now that's just guesswork, but he does have a lot of experience at the top, so you know I think it's a pretty good guess. But Phil Spencer has said that Game Pass is profitable i mean or it's uh, maybe not profitable it's not losing money i don't think i mean it's it seems to be working for them and it seems to be definitely working for developers but i feel like the problem with big but my point is like the problem with big budget games and these budgets getting bigger is you can the reason why they're stale i think for me is because they can take less risks versus these indie games where you know it compared to like the movie industry where the joker movie right that costs mm-hmm. 50 million dollars to make that that's a low budget by movie standards and it made over a billion dollars now that's not indie that's like warner brothers but the lo- less money something costs the more the more risks you can take so and it's like blair witch project the original blair witch project I think they made that for like $300,000 and the thing grossed like a quarter of a billion dollars.
1: <laughs> Feels like that movie only costs like $4,000 or yeah, something. Yeah, really. I just think they can do a little bit of everything. I think just mix it up, you know, a little, little, get some indie game. I think Sony does need to put out a few more indie games. Uh, like, I want a new Helldivers. Give me a new uh, gun shit like that. Yeah, I, I think eventually the triple A games are going to have to cut back a little bit. Maybe not this generation, maybe next generation, but, uh, yeah, like, I think one of the key things is to just make them shorter.
0: Yeah. I almost wonder too. And, you know, we were talking about double A or, or triple I games or triple A indies or whatever you want to call them, but you know, like Hellblade, uh, a plague tale innocence that might be the future actually. Cause it's like a balance between the indie and the big budget games. So I wonder if that's going to be the future.
1: I don't think it's all... Yeah, I know. I see what you're saying. You think, like, to, to cut down costs, it's probably best to just, you know, scale it back to, like, a triple-A, double-A. Know, AA. Yeah, I don't think Sony wants to do that. It's just because, you know, look at the sales for a lot of their big triple-A games. It's just crazy. Uh, Nintendo, they're doing their own thing. Nintendo basically makes a bunch of indie games. Yeah, you know, the The Mario games are, like, the best indie games. <laughs> They really are when you when you want to break it down. They are indie games. I mean, I know that's going to piss people off, but you, what I'm trying to say is the, the budget for these games they, they they're very small. They can't be that big. It's funny all the shit you're saying. Nintendo's kind of doing with their games.
0: I, I also feel like too with um, the the tech getting better. Um, indie studios are able to do more big budget type stuff. So. I feel like they're closing the gap a little bit, too. Obviously, Sony's going to, like you said, they're going to continue to have their big budget games, no matter what, which uh, that still worries me because I feel like they're putting all their eggs in that one basket. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, in a few years, when Microsoft starts getting out their big exclusives, too, if they can hit on some of those, you know, it's going to be real problems for Sony.
1: Yeah, hopefully they got other shit cooking in the oven that we don't know about. Maybe that Metal Gear remake that they that's been rumored and maybe they got that coming soon. Who knows?
0: But it's still all big budget stuff. I feel like they need to they've and we've had recently indie developers come out and say that like it's a bitch to work with Sony. They don't care as much about indies anymore.
1: Yeah, like I said, they still need indie games. I I don't think they should completely avoid them.
0: And then, you know, we're not even it's not even taught to mention how everything is has been for a while and is continuing to move to the live service space. Uh, you know, we talked about Ubisoft, and they've pretty much, they're shifting a lot of their focus and money into live service. And uh, you said you talked about Assassin's Creed. Uh, it seems like the next Assassin's Creed is going to be some, like, huge uh, live service. I don't know what the hell it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I'm really worried about Ubisoft. I don't like where they're going. They they
0: definitely have some kind of identity crisis. Live services came about because, obviously, these studios wanted to maximize their profits, so mm-hmm. they want to keep you playing their games for as long as possible. So I feel like that is a problem, though. I mean, I don't know how much those games cost as opposed to, like, say, you know, just a single-player, big-budget AAA game, but it seems like they're probably... Maybe about the same, but I think where they make their money is probably like over the extended period of time that they try to keep you hooked with this, these certain grindy, like repetitive gameplay mechanics. So I, but that's part of what I'm saying is why that's why they're getting stale because they, they have this need to keep you on that one game. And me personally, I don't want to do that. I want to play as many games as possible.
1: Live service games is. Those are stale. There are certain things in the AAA space that is stale. Like I said, the Ubisoft games and this kind of shit we're just talking about right now. But as a whole, I I don't think it's becoming stale. I I do think there's still tons of tons of games that are very unique and different.
0: I I also, and I don't know how related this is to what we're talking about, but I feel like people's attention spans are
1: shrinking. Like mine for sure. Look at the trophy statistics. That says everything. A lot of people don't finish games.
0: Most people don't finish games, which is mind-boggling to me. I'd like to take a look at indie's uh, completion rate. <laughs> it's probably horrible. No, it's fine, though. I'm not like, you know, whatever you want to do, that's, that's cool. I
1: mean, I finish most of my games, but there's some games I don't finish.
0: I feel like social media, honestly, is a big culprit for this, why people's attention spans are shrinking. Because we're just used to instant gratification, just like scroll, 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 you get that dopamine hit. Like it's. Yeah, yeah. And that's the one thing I'm kind of worried about with it, it damaging people's attention spans. And like, how do you think that, that translates to gaming though and what we're talking about? And I feel like indie games are typically shorter. So I feel like you would think that they would be better equipped to, for people to pull people in.
1: A lot of people don't even give those games the time of day. A lot of gamers out there, and I hate to say this, they just want to play the same shit. They want to just play Call of Duty. They want to play Madden. They want to play FIFA. They want to play GTA. Indie games just kind of get pushed off to the side. So yes, I, I am 100% still in the AAA camp, and I think it's not getting stale. But at the same time, there are so many indie games out there that really need to be played, and they do get ignored, and it kind of pisses me off.
0: I, I really, I, and I feel like a lot of that probably is, and that's fine too. By the way, if you only play like a few games a year, we're not ragging on you. Like that's you know you do no what you no that's do.
1: fine. I mean, at the end of the day, it's do whatever you want. It's it's your money. It's your console. You know, if you want to just play Call of Duty, you, you you do your thing. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes it's good to just explore.
0: I, I feel like there's so much creativity coming from indie games too, and I feel like it's a shame that more people don't give them a shot. Um, and I feel like Game Pass is like really going to change that. Hopefully. But I, I really do think, and tell me your opinion, I think a lot of people don't give indie games a try. Is it just because how they look? They don't have the huge budget, the the impressive graphics a lot of the time. I think it
1: the... is a graphics thing for some people. Yeah. They'll look at it and be like, oh, it looks like a Super Nintendo game. I don't want to play that. I want to play, uh, I don't know, the the newest Battlefield or some shit. That looks amazing. More people should definitely play indie games. I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but you really should. Guys, go play Dead Cells. Uh, Maybe that's not a good example, because some people don't like that one life thing. Um, Go play, um, you know, I guess the the Nintendo games. Like I was just saying, they're like indie games, but just at the highest level. Play more of those. Those people are out there. You know, a lot of the Nintendo community does play a shit ton of indie games on their Switch. I always see people, like, showing their libraries, and they have, like, you know, Hades and uh, Transistor and a bunch of other ones on their Switch. Maybe with the Xbox and PlayStation, uh, those two communities are just more focused on AAA. But if you're like a PC gamer, Nintendo Switch user, they seem to give indie games more of a chance. Like, they'll give it the time of day.
0: I guess it's just all what you prioritize, because as much as I love graphics and great looking games, all that stuff, I I think for me, gameplay is king. What would you say?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the game could look amazing and play like dog shit i mean obviously the gameplay comes first
0: i don't know i guess that's why i think like the the space could be moving like the happy medium would be
1: these like double a games i don't feel like this but i've seen people make this counter argument with indie games like oh they're just all side scrollers Uh, metroidvanias or this i don't agree with that I'm, i'm just saying i've seen a lot of people say that over over the years like oh they're just they all look the same so I maybe they're looking at certain types of games that that there are similar, sure. But that's with everything. Yeah. You could pick any genre. You could say shooters all look the same. You know, that's it's all subjective.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could say like there are a lot of Metroidvania type games in the indie space, and you could make an argument. Oh, that's getting stale too, and you might be right. But um, but then I see games like um, what was that X Defiant you just talked about last week.
1: Yeah, that's just generic as hell. Yeah. am like, oh
0: my god, dude, this is, just, this is just peak fucking staleness, like too little, too late. Fucking just, what are we doing here? We keep going back to Ubisoft. Yeah, it is Ubisoft
1: again. Back in the day, they gave us a wide variety of different games. But lately, just the same old bullshit. I'm going to keep saying this, a lot of that staleness is really on Ubisoft's side. I'm not saying uh, there's definitely in the other areas as well, but Ubisoft is like on the top of the food chain with staleness <laughs> right now. I, it's, it's scaring me.
0: All right. I'm, I'm just going to like give my final conclusion. I, I think that there's some staleness in both the AAA and indie space, but I, I think overall there's still a lot of creativity to go around. And um, I just think you should give, All games a try, within within reason. Like if you clearly don't like something, like you don't don't give a try. But yeah, just like broaden your horizons a little bit, branch out into some indie games if you only play triple A's. Because like I said, those budgets are gonna have to start coming down. That that bubble is gonna burst eventually. So you get Game Pass, you know, try some indie shit out, and you know, like indie. Indie games are not all like side scrolling pixel games, like Mike said. There's,
1: I don't agree with that. I was saying that's what people were saying. I don't agree with that at all. I don't think they're all like that. That's bullshit. But I'm just tired of seeing that counter argument. Oh, side scrollers. (laughs) Like, no, they're not just side scrollers. I, I think we can both agree though that Ubisoft might be the
0: biggest defender with being stale. 100%. Yeah. So let's just, uh, let's just agree to that and let's just shit on Ubisoft and say it's all their fault. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to Surprise Mechanics, which, if you don't know, it is where me and Mike both bring something to the table, and neither one of us knows what it is, hence the surprise in the name. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Mike, would you start us off? What is your surprise mechanic?
1: All right, guys, it's story time. That's right, gather around the campfire. I'm gonna tell you a story. So, recently... Microsoft put two original Xbox games on Game Pass. Uh, One of them's Crimson Skies. I don't remember the other one. sorry. When I saw Crimson Skies, it reminded me of a thing that happened like 15 years ago with this game. One day I walked into GameStop. I think it was in 2006, maybe early 07. I didn't have a 360 yet. uh, But anyway, yeah, I walked into the GameStop. I went over to the clearance bin. Uh, that had all the original Xbox games in there. So I saw a bunch of copies of Crimson Sky. So I grabbed one out of the bin. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh yeah, this looks cool. I, I-, I could see myself playing this. Like, yeah, I got flying around planes and shit. It looks like it's post-apocalyptic. It takes place like way in the future. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll check it out. So I bought the game. It was like, what, four or five bucks. So I brought it home, played it for a little while. And I liked it. I thought it was great. I never finished it. I think I moved on to Battlefront and I kind of just forgot about the game. I just put it on the shelf. So like a week or two later, I'm talking to my friend about Xbox Live and because he doesn't have it yet. I'm like, man, you really should get this. I mean, this is a a really good service. I mean, we can, we, we can both play online at night and, you know, hang out and shit. And he's like, yeah, you know, I really want to do that, but I just can't afford it right now. Maybe in a few months.
0: I was like, all right. Yeah,
1: cool. Yeah. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. So I went home, I turned on my Xbox, and I was like, okay, what do I feel like playing? Uh let me grab Crimson Skies again. So I opened up the the, the case for the game and uh I, I I was about to put the disc in the system and then I noticed the manual and I was like, hey, you know what, I'm gonna take a look at that real quick. So I pulled the manual out. And you know what's behind the manual, Jacques? What? Twelve months of Xbox Live Gold. I oh. shit you not. It was right behind the manual. It wasn't one you would buy in a store. It looked like some sort of a one you would get in like a starter kit or something. Cause they had like starter kits back in the one that came with the headset. You got gold and a bunch of other shit. I think it came from one of those. So I, I turned it around and I noticed the, the pull tab, you know, where it reveals the code. It wasn't pulled off. So I, I called up my friend. I was like, Hey, I have this 12 month code. It was hiding behind the manual of this Crimson Skies game I picked up at GameStop. Put the code in and see what happens. So he puts the code in, and it worked. Oh, nice. What are the chances of me having a 12-month card inside Crimson Skies? My friend wants Xbox Live, and he can't afford it. And it was right there, and I had it. So in the bin full of games that had a bunch of Crimson Skies copies, I picked one that had a 12-month code behind the manual. I'm guessing someone just put it back there and you know, forgot about it and they traded it into GameStop.
0: Serendipity, man. I wonder if someone put it in there as like a pay-it-forward type thing. If not, then you got someone out there who's fucking pissed like, oh, where'd I put that 12-month <laughs>
1: My friend was so happy and shit. Like, he didn't believe me. I'm just like, dude, no, I- I'm, not, I'm not making this up. I didn't buy this for you. Like, it was behind the manual of Crimson Skies. So every time I see Crimson Skies, I think of that story, and I just felt like sharing that with you guys.
0: That's, that's an awesome story. That I love when shit like that happens.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. All right, what's your surprising mechanic joke?
0: Mine um is also not a game this week. I think we were both on the same page. Oh
1: wow, okay, there we go. Awesome.
0: Uh, because we I think we both probably realized like, hey, surprise mechanics is turning into just games that we make. (laughs) This is the
1: game show section. All right. I got five questions for you. Yeah. I wanted to mix it up a little bit. Yeah,
0: exactly. Which we love that. I mean, to be honest, it's probably gonna continue like that mostly. Like we'll throw in some stuff that's different here and there, but you know, that shit's fun for us and probably you guys too. So Mike, you might want to put your thinking cap on, because I hate that saying, but whatever. Do it anyway. Uh, because it's been a long time since we talked about something philosophical. We did it in a lot of our earlier episodes with the in the beginning. But today I wanted to discuss simulation theory. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Good way to finish out the podcast at like 1230 at night. Yeah, so uh, Simulation Theory. Uh, it, so how it came about is the other night I was watching The Matrix again, because it's a really awesome movie. Now, you know, some of the effects and stuff like that don't quite hold up. But yeah, th- nonetheless, it's a fun movie. So yeah, I just wanted to discuss, like, what your thoughts on uh, Simulation Theory? Do you think we live in a simulated
1: universe? Uh, things like that. No, but it'd be cool. I mean, I guess anything is possible, though, at the end of the day.
0: Would it be cool, though? I mean, because the thing is, is, like, you wouldn't be able to tell, nothing would fundamentally change
1: for you. True, but if it, if we are in a simulation, and then when we die, then it's possible that, you know, we go into a different program, you know what I mean? You're another person, then. I guess that's getting into reincarnation, though.
0: I mean, yeah, maybe. That's, that's possible, though. That could be part of it. Yeah, maybe maybe you wake up and then you're just like out of the Matrix, like after you die. And it's
1: like, what if we knew that's how it worked? And then we had proof of it like, oh, we're just going to come back as somebody else. How would life be?
0: Well, at first, I would have to figure out like, well, what is the real world outside of this? If it's better than this one, I would probably just kill myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but what if it's like the Matrix and you come out of it? It's like a shit world and it's run by these robots that put all humans in these things, pod things. Yeah, I don't know if I want to deal with that. I'd be like, plug me back in.
0: Yeah, then that would suck. Then I'd probably be like Cypher, where I'd be like, I know this steak is not real, but man, it tastes good, and I can't tell the difference, so put me back in. It's kind of interesting, too, with um, the more technology evolves, like we have VR and stuff, you know, just think, like, I don't know, decades from now, like how good VR is going to be. Also, with the advancements, uh, you know, the more we're learning about quantum computing, that we're basically like quantum computers can just crunch numbers at like a fucking the speed of light. Like, I don't know. It's just just so much data going through that. Imagine a computer, quantum computer being able to just totally render an actual universe instantaneously and we wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Like maybe we're NPCs right now. We just don't know.
1: It's a crazy thing to think about.
0: You know, it's like, um, Plato's Allegory of the Cave, uh, which is what a lot of these things like The Matrix and Dark City, another movie I've told you about before, you know, for those who don't know Plato's Allegory of the Cave, it's just, you know, say a person is in a cave and they see, that's the only existence they know of, and they, they see these shadows on the wall from the opening in the cave and they think these shadows are real, but they have no idea what's outside. That's just the sun, you know, creating the shadows. <laughs> So I almost feel like social media has become the modern allegory of the cave, where people just are online on Twitter or whatever, and they think that that's real life, and it's it's not really.
1: No, it's not.
0: I just kind of think like where technology is going to take us, and it's, it's hard to imagine. Whenever
1: they depict stuff in the sci-fi movies, it's never exactly right. You think we're going to have Ready Player One be a thing in gaming at some point?
0: God, I hope so cuz I want to live there forever. <laughs> so I'd be like, "Plug me in, dude. I fuck this real world."
1: See, that's an MMO game I'll play. I I can get into that if I'm going if you're putting me in a world and I'm in like a Matrix kind of thing. Yeah, I'm down for MMOs. The current MMOs out right now? No, I'm good.
0: That that's the thing like I was saying, like nothing would fundamentally change. If if you don't know the difference, you don't know you're in a simulation. So if it feels as good as the real thing, yet I can, you know, be a fucking armored fucking orc like just wheeling a mace around shooting a cannon out of my dick you know just like <laughs> whatever i don't know if i can do all that then yeah sign me up and it's also like you gotta think when we're talking about simulations well who the fuck is running the simulation
1: morgan freeman i don't know <laughs> let's put him in a computer let's make morgan freeman forever
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because it's probably not even the real Morgan Freeman, because eventually he's going to die. It's just like a copy. It's like a simulation of Morgan Freeman. But then who's running the the Morgan Freeman simulation? It's just some rich guy. This is where we get into the infinite regress problem of why I have trouble believing in God, is because it's like, well, who created God? You can just keep going back for further and further forever. You can't get a good answer. He was always there. She was always
1: there. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, it's it's really mind-bending. Just look at the universe, though. It's mind-bending. It keeps going. Unless there is something at the end of it at some point.
0: Yeah, it's he who remains is at the end of it.
1: Dude, if we had the technology to go at ridiculous speeds, like we can get to another galaxy in about a couple minutes, I'm going. Oh, of
0: course. Yeah. But what if you don't need to actually physically go there? What if you can just go there in a simulation? fundamentally nothing changes we know we can't do that now we're nowhere near being able to do that so that's why i'm like if i can get a realistic simulation like just plug me in i kind of hope it's like that this movie transcendence with johnny depp where he just put his consciousness into a computer so then we don't even have physical bodies anymore is this a new movie and no it's like maybe like less than a decade
1: old oh shit that old oh wow i haven't heard of this
0: yeah, check it out. I don't I don't know if it's on any streaming services, but yeah, it's called Transcendence. Okay. Also check out Dark City. Like I said, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's in it, the uh, Jennifer Connelly.
1: There's just so many movies, bro. My god, like how, how if I looked at my list of movies I got to watch, I, I would have a heart attack. I, I don't even want to look at it anymore. <laughs> it's, there's just so much. My backlog is destroyed. It's worse than my video game backlog.
0: Dude, I still want you to see Dune, the original Dune before the new one comes out. Because we made that deal a while ago. I mean, I don't know if you agree to it, but I made the deal <laughs> with you uh, where I said, if I watch Blade Runner, finally, you'll watch Dune. And I watched that's Blade true. Runner. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 f- I fucking loved it. So I, I don't think that's going to be the case with Dune because it's not a great movie. But it's, it's definitely an experience. I'm sorry to all you Dune fans who love it. It's, it's okay. You'll survive.
1: Now, is it like 2001 Space Odyssey hard to watch? Is it that kind of a movie? Like, is it that like, oh my God, just kill me. I'll get this over with already. Because if it is, oof, I don't know if I can finish that.
0: You probably just triggered a bunch of Space Odyssey fans out there. I don't
1: give a shit. That is one of the most overrated movies I've seen in my life. I respect it, like what it did back in the day. It's the same thing with Resident Evil 1 on PS1. It's the same shit. Like, you can respect it. It did something for the industry and it moved it forward in certain ways. I get all that. My God. (laughs) I'm
0: sorry. I can see how um, watching it back then when it came out would be fucking mind-blowing, especially on a big screen. But watching it today, it's so long and so boring. And, like, Stanley Kubrick is just, like, masturbating on camera for, like, three, four hours. I don't even know how. That's how long the movie felt. I don't know how long it actually is. So, yeah, I don't know if Dune is as bad as that. I I Okay, I'll say no, it's probably not, because as bad as Dune is, at least it's like, it's so, like, there's weird just shit in it that you're just like, okay, this is kind of interesting a little bit. There's parts of it that are interesting.
1: I gotta make this clear for the listeners. Do you like Dune more than 2001 Space Odyssey?
0: yeah there you go that's that's our like we're gonna finish out the show like that tell us which movie's better dune or 2001 a space odyssey
1: my god like the movie buffs listening to this are screaming you guys know nothing about films 2001 is one of the greatest the- and <laughs> yeah we're 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 killing their sacred cows what Was that 1967 or eight see that's impressive for the time that that was impressive oh yeah for sure time.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I can't imagine like seeing that brand new in the theaters in like late '60s, especially probably they were all fucking high as shit. Es- and...
1: Especially like the parts of the movie like where it's in the future and they're in space and everything. That shit looked
0: good. There's like that one part that like rotating shot, or like they actually built like a thing where it rotated around. That the was camera. awesome. Yeah, that's amazing for back then.
1: But that movie puts me to sleep.
0: <laughs> I just can't. Did some cool things, but, you know, at the end, you see the baby. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I guess he's reborn. Spoilers. I have no fucking clue if you make it to that far. It's whatever. Let me know what that movie's fucking about. I would like to know. Anyway,
1: but yeah, go go watch Dune, because at least you got sandworms. How do we get to frickin' Dune? We're talking about, like, simulation theory, and now we're talking about 2001 Space Odyssey and Dune. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. Anyway, Blade
0: Runner is better than both of those, so you should actually just go watch Blade Runner instead.
1: I, I agree. It is better, but I, I think it's a little overrated, but it is a good movie.
0: Now, make sure you watch the final cut, because that's the best version. It is on HBO Max, so there you go. Ridley Scott. Yeah, he made one of my
1: favorite movies of all time, Alien.
0: Actually, I uh, went on Amazon, I think, and I was looking through, and they have Alien in 4K, and I was like, oh...
1: I've seen it in 4K. It looks beautiful.
0: Does it? Okay, I'm for sure watching that. And, you know, speaking of Alien, uh, coming out next month, Aliens Fireteam Elite. Let's go.
1: Yeah, I'm getting that. Day one. It's an Aliens game. I don't get these all the time. Day one. You'll hear my thoughts uh, very soon after it gets released. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely
0: be playing that. I think Indy's going to play with us. Ashley, too. Three-man squads,
1: by the way, which is bullshit. Oh, it's only three. I was like, what? Not even four? The standard? You're not going to have four? Ashley and Indy
0: will have to rotate out. (laughs) There you go. But yeah, it's getting a good early impression, so I'm pretty uh, optimistic about it. I mean, it can't be any worse than Colonial Marine, so.
1: It seems like we're bringing that up every episode now.
0: Any chance I get to shit on Colonial Marines or a Gearbox or Randy Pitchford, you know, I'm going to take it. All right, Mike, so like if anybody's still listening at this point, then God bless you. We are all in a simulation, so sorry to tell you, but it doesn't really affect anything. So I just had to bring it back around, live your life as you want until we are breaking free of this simulation and then we can ascend to paradise. And I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I'm going to attempt to land this plane. So yeah, this has been the boundless gamers podcast and this fucking outro has been a weird one. But yeah, if you want to check us out on social media, we are at boundless gamers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you'd like to subscribe to us, we'd appreciate that. But only if you liked, liked us, don't do it. If you hated us, if you hated us, you could leave a comment, but you're probably not going to do that. So, like I said at the top of the show, just telepathically send your hate to me. I'll receive it. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, dude, I had a monster in, for like the first time in years before this podcast, so fucking it's doing something to me. Maybe I should drink this more or not because I don't want to have a heart attack.
1: No, no, no. Don't drink too much of that. No. Moderation. Moderation, bro.
0: <laughs> exactly. Moderation. There you go. That's the lesson for today. All right, so is there anything left you wanted to say, Mike, before I take us out?
1: No, I think I'm good. I just want to go to sleep.
0: All right, cool. That sounds like a plan. So, I am Jacques. I'm Mike. And we will see you guys next week for episode 13.